You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn in your copy of God's Word or in your devices to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, if you'd like to follow along. In the pew Bible that's in front of you, it is page 1018. We are continuing our series on Together, a Covenant Community of Believers. And it comes to a point as we're following through with our covenant and what that reads and how that reads Uh, that we want to think through displaying the gospel. How do we display the gospel together? Well, rightly the Bible teaches that we as believers come together to display the gospel in ordinances, the Lord's Supper and baptism. And together the ordinances mean something that only can come as we do them together. You can't take it by yourself. You can't do it alone in a room. These are things that you do with other believers to proclaim truths to the world. And so today, I want us to look at how the Scriptures teach us that together we display the gospel, and specifically through the Lord's table. So let us read as Paul has written in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you have given us the word. And we're thankful that the word cuts to our hearts. And that the word has given us new life together in your name. And today, Lord, as we gather around the table and around your word, speak to us a clear message, a message of us seeing how we display this gospel together. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's pretty amazing as you think through life and big events that these big events kind of come around something. Food. Every big event, every big milestone, there is food that is associated with them. Whether it's a birthday or anniversary, you've got cake, right? 
if you, uh, if you gather together uh, um, for uh, any special occasion, there's a special meal put together. Thanksgiving is associated with turkey. And for me, every day of the week is associated with Krispy Kreme donuts and Chick-fil-A, right? Can I get an amen? There are special things that happen in life that are associated with food, special things. If you gather together in the Dobbins family, we know it's a special event when there's banana pudding that my cousin has made. We know that she's the one that has the special recipe. We know it's a special event when that shows up. We know that it's important when we gather together that somebody takes time to plan a special meal. Well, as Christians, we have a special event that is signified in a meal that has taken place. One that was taken place 2,000 years ago with Jesus and the disciples and instructed for us to take place in all the time from then on. This meal is the Lord's Supper. Maybe you have taken the Lord's Supper as a Christian many times, hundreds of times maybe in your lifetime. Or maybe you've only taken it a few times because you're a new Christian. In whatever way that you've partaken of this, we must never lose sight of the value and importance and meaning of coming together to display the gospel in the Lord's Supper. You see, in it, there's a significance because one, we're being obedient to what Christ has told us to do. Take and eat for as long as you have. You should remember me. But there's also something in each element that displays an inner faith that we believe that makes visible for the world to see. And so when we gather at the Lord's table, there is something meaningful that happens. And that's what I want us to see from this scripture today. There are four ways that the Lord's Supper is meaningful to us as believers. First, it's meaningful to us because we receive the message of Christ at the table together. We receive the message of Christ at the table together. In verse 23, we read that Paul states, I've received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread. Let's just stop right there for a second. Here, this beautiful picture that paints the Lord's Supper is is hidden in a context or the paragraph or the book or the chapter of actually a rebuke from Paul. This chapter is really a rebuke to the Corinthian church that they were misusing the Lord's Supper, that they were being selfish in the Lord's Supper, that they were actually doing something that was contra or contrary to Christ, that they had some people showing up to the the meal and some were eating it all up before others got there. They were putting people who who were of lower stature were coming to the table last. And Paul was saying, you have created, you have used something that was meant for unity in the church and caused disunity in the church. And so Paul here then clarifies what this message or what this table is all about. When he says, 
that here I have received a message that I now pass on to you. Paul makes it clear that what he is teaching is not something he made up, and nothing that people got together in a room and decided that, oh, this is something we think might sound cool to do. No, he says this is a message that we have received from Christ himself that now I am delivering to you. Now, the tenses or the verb usage here in this text communicates that this is not the first time Paul has told them this. That Paul has said, I have, yes, already told you this message, and I'm telling you this message again. And I think it also helps us to understand that the Lord's Supper table is, yes, something we do, but it is a message we receive. It's a message of what and who Christ is. It's a message that was passed down from him to the disciples through the church in all history that we are to pass on forever until he comes again. It is this received and delivered message is a communicating of the gospel to us and through us. Uh, Bobby Jameson in his book uh, on the Lord's Supper writes this, the Lord's Supper is the church's act of communing with Christ and each other and of commemorating Christ's death by partaking of bread and wine and a believer's act of receiving Christ's benefit and renewing his or her commitment to Christ and his people, thereby making the church one body and marking it off from the world. Friends, we have received a message of salvation from God. And we are communicating this message to each other. And we're communicating it to the world. When we gather, we are saying this, that we have heard the gospel and praise God, he has saved me. Praise God, he has saved you. And we come together in celebration of what Christ has done in us and through us and in each other. It is communicating we're on the same team, we're on the same faith, we're of the same family. And whatever this world throws our way, we are united in this faith in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Secondly, this is an important and meaningful meal, is because we remember Christ's work at the table together. We remember Christ's work at the table together. Verse 24, he continues and says, and when he had given thanks, broke it, that is the bread, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Later on, he says and does the same thing with the drink and says, drink it in remembrance of me. Now, Isabella, though she's almost 18 months, I can't believe it, loves pictures. Uh, she will pull out the little picture book and she just, uh, she, I don't think she knows anybody in it, but she recognizes faces. She knows her Bubba. She knows her mama and daddy. She recognizes maybe Oma and daddy grand, but she has no recollection of what's going on. I pull that picture up and it takes me back to that memory, that birthday party, that event, 
that anniversary, that celebration. And that is what we do with pictures, right? We remember that event and what happens, and we remember all the things that come with it. Well, Jesus commands us to remember his death on the cross. As long as we come together, we are remembering this. Now, this is interesting because when it is used in a Hebrew context, it is much more than simply bringing something to mind. It's more than just thinking about it. it. It's deeper. It is more than that. It is remembering and recapturing the reality and significance of that event. Uh, Just like the 12 stones in the Old Testament, or just like wearing the cross, or or other elements that we know that, that are called to think back of the significance of that event. When we come to the Lord's table, we are remembering in a clear way that it is Jesus who died a sacrificial, agonizing, horrible, suffering death. And not only did he die, but he did it for me. And he did it for us. And he did it for you. When we come together, we're not offering a sacrifice again. We're, we're not trying to redo what already has been done, but we are remembering the once and for all sacrifice and rededication to the fact that Jesus died a death we could not die so that we might live a life we could not live without his death on the cross. Personally, Shouldn't this remind us all of the day that we were saved? Shouldn't this all make us hearken back to that awful person that we used to be? Shouldn't it remind us of the miracle it was that someone in our state, Jesus loves us, that he died for us. This is more than just a thinking back of a, a historical matter or a, 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 a cheerful remembrance. It's a reminder of an event when Christ died for us and that now we by faith proclaim until he comes. Here today, as we gather, we should be reminded of this. And if you're here today and as a baptized believer, we welcome you to the table because you are remembering what Christ has done for you, that you rest your faith in. We remember the personal and amazing sacrifice of Jesus, and we remember of how now we take its claim. Thirdly, we see that it's meaningful because we symbolize Christ's atonement at the table. Christ's atonement at the table. Verse 25, in the same way he took the cup for supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Uh, Let's be honest. If there's a special event, uh, no one is going to put the guys in charge of it. 
there's a special meal, right? I mean, I mean, when we're going hungry, we will find ways to eat. We will not starve, right? There is some way that we will make sure that we make do. If it's a bowl of cereal or a, a scrambled or fried egg or something, we will survive. But when it comes to a special event, uh, women, you have a way of making every element of it special, from the place settings to the theme to the, the color of the, uh, the tablecloth to every element of it is planned out to communicate the, the, the special event that is going on. Well, when we see the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, we see that there was great significance in how Jesus created the Lord's table. That he didn't just throw this together there was great eternal planning and understanding of the message that it was portraying. There was something in it that, that Jesus wanted us to clearly see that he did not plan in haste. Jesus planned the meal to symbolize and display a message. Now, originally Jesus came together at the Passover meal uh, this was a sig significant meal in Jewish tradition that, that talked about the Passover, the, uh, the miracle that God used to release the Israelites from uh, Egyptian slavery. When God sent his spirit over Egypt and the firstborn child was killed unless there was a lamb prepared, a lamb slaughtered, and the lamb's blood on the doorpost, and God's spirit would pass over, and that child would be saved. In this, Jesus then takes the elements of the meal and says, that sacrifice for deliverance for Israel now symbolizes my sacrifice for deliverance for all time a greater significance, a deeper significance, and great sacrifice. For you are two of the most beautiful words in Scripture. And this is the message. Jesus said, I did this, my body, which is for you. This cup is for you. Two elements, two symbols that are, are baked in, so to speak, of this Lord's table. It's a reminder to us of these two elements of the significant nature of Christ's atonement. Now, that's a big churchy word, so what does that mean? It means that Jesus paid the price for our sin. That Jesus paid the price for forgiveness. How did he do it? Well, Jesus said that he gave his body. Uh, the aspect of the body is to remind us that God himself came out of heaven, that he came a man for us. He gave the gospel to us. He suffered for us and he died for us. And this wonderful, gracious, marvelous, merciful God came for us and was given freely for us. The body was given so that we might live. And he goes further to say that the cup as you drink the wine, that the cup was representing something. Though long time ago it remembered the lamb's sacrifice, now it is the lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself, his blood, his death. 
Though it was once to signify the lamb's smeared blood on the doorpost, now represents the blood of Jesus shed for the salvation of the world. The old covenant that was ratified by, by obedience and by constant sacrifice, the new covenant is this, is that if we believe that if we are saved, that if we trust and repent of our sins and believe that Christ sacrificially died for us, he is the savior of the world, then we are saved freely. And the only way this agreement, the only way this covenant, the only way this promise is true is because Jesus shed his blood for us. Hebrews chapter nine teaches us this. He, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of young cows sprinkled those who are defiled, sanctified for the purification of the flesh, then how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Cleanse our consciousness from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Friends, this Lord's Supper is a symbol of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And it symbolizes in a physical way something we understand spiritually. That we remember that this death is for us to gain life he had to die. Now friends, the reality is it symbolizes Both ordinances that God has given the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are not salvific. It is not for our salvation. As a matter of fact, they are actually the result of born-again believers taking part in these to display the good news that is in them. We understand, the Bible teaches, that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. If we are to say that Christ plus baptism adds to our salvation or that the Lord's Supper plus Christ's salvation, then anything plus is not on Christ alone. It is Christ plus something else. And the Bible teaches it it is not that. It is by faith alone that we are saved. I am ashamed that many people raised and and unfortunately manipulated by well-meaning Christians think that baptisms add or communion adds or something adds to the greatest sacrifice ever given, Jesus himself. If we have to add one iota to what Jesus has done, then it's not by Jesus alone and we are lessening Christ, not making him greater. We must understand that the serious question for us today, that in this symbol, we are symbolizing what Christ has done. 
And we understand this, that just as the symbol of me wearing this wedding ring, if I were to take it off and leave it on the nightstand or even lose it, does not end my marriage to Sarah. It is just an outward commitment of my love for her. And it will stay the same no matter what. Jesus' sacrifice and love for us will never end. But what we get to do is symbolize it, take part in showing it to the world. But the serious question that this symbol asks us every time, have you trusted Christ as Savior? You see, if we come to the table, we are saying, yes, we have. Yes, we have trusted Christ. Yes, we have been born again by the Spirit. Yes, we have been forgiven and trusted in Christ alone. We understand that we were separated from God in our sin and that it is only by faith in Jesus who came and died for us that we can live. And if you repent and believe, then you can be saved. This is what we say when we come to the table. But for those of us here who who see this symbol happening, the question has to be, have I been born again? Do I believe in the symbol and message of the table? Is there a moment that I've trusted in Christ alone? Is there a time that by faith I have taken the salvation that Christ has earned at the cross? Friends, these ordinances are symbol and it's a communication of the truth of salvation to us. But these ordinances are more than symbols because number four, it is meaningful because we proclaim Christ through our lives at the table together. Paul had been quoting Jesus for the last two verses, but here Paul says something very emphatically and important for us to understand. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now let me just quickly understand this. This is a proclamation that we are doing. We've received a message. We understand it remembers. We understand it's a symbol of what Christ has done. But now when we go to the table, we are proclaiming something. Uh, The the ordinances, both baptism and the Lord's Supper, communicate something. Uh, For one, we read in the Bible that there was only one public profession of faith. There was only one time they did not come down the aisle. They did not sign a card. They did not do that. There was only one public profession of faith in the New Testament, and that was baptism. And so when we come together to baptize someone, or when someone is baptized, we are communicating, proclaiming that Christ's message and salvation is true for me. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when we are baptized, we are proclaiming that our old self is dead, our new life has come. That Christ, we are buried in the likeness of Christ, dying to our old self, but now we are raised to walk in a new way. In the same way, when we come to the table, we are proclaiming the truth of the gospel to ourselves and each other. In verse 26, he says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Someone has said that baptism is our birth certificate 
And the Lord's Supper is our passport, declaring along the way our allegiance to Christ. That we along the way are saying, Jesus' death means something to me. Jesus' death has made me a new person. Jesus' death has done something to forever change me. And now I'm going to live a faithful life for him. You know, in the midst of baseball season, and, and we've seen basketball season come and gone, and, and for me, a big football fan, I'm just counting the days until the end of July when I get reports from football camp starting, and I'm excited about that. And we put on our jerseys, and we, we celebrate our teams, and we get excited about our teams, and we cheer for them. But let's be clear, we would never show up to our team's game wanting them to win wearing the other team's jersey. We would never show up to a Reds game and and wear a Cardinals jersey hoping for the Reds to win, cheering for the Reds to win. We would never show up at a UK game wearing a, a, a Cardinal red cap uh, we would never go to these extent to, to say that we cheer for, for one team and wear the opponent's jersey. So then how blasphemous is it for us that when we come to the table proclaiming Jesus' death and life for us and yet we live for the world. That we live apart from the way Christ has called us to live. It is akin to saying, Jesus, your death doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm glad. I'll take, I'll take the recipients of grace. I will take the treasure of grace. I will take the get out of hell free card. But I don't want to have any cost or any sacrifice or any life that means anything differently. But Instead, what we are doing, friends, when we come to the table, we are saying that this same gospel is true for our lives and that we live this life. And it is in this that we live in faithfulness and not as hypocrites. It's when Romans chapter 6 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to, God's, to God as weapons for righteousness, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace." Friends, this is why when, if we kept reading throughout this chapter, Paul says that, that uh, later in verse 29, whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Verse 27, so whoever eats and drinks the body of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of Christ. This is a reminder every time to check our hearts, to ask and confess for sin that we are to check our life as we live faithfully for Jesus because, friends, it means nothing for us to come in here and proclaim Jesus and go out there and live like the world. We've gone against what we're saying. We're being double-minded. 
because we understand of what Christ has done for us, we must understand that we proclaim allegiance to the king every time we come to the table. That our ordinances are a reflection of our heart status. And therefore, when we come to the table together, we have said, just as we've said in weeks before, that if there is sin, we confess it quickly. If we're struggling in sin, we've gone to brothers and sisters and asked for support and encouragement to walk out of sin. That if we have something going on with another brother or sister, we go and make amends because we don't want disunity in a way that goes against what we proclaim at the table. So when we take the Lord's Supper, we must understand its importance to our lives. Today, we have the, uh, the unique opportunity to proclaim or to respond to a sermon as we take the Lord's Supper together. Let us be reminded, encouraged, and committed to its message May we come together and be encouraged in the life of Christ. May we proclaim it until he calls us home. And today, if you're not a believer, you see a supper prepared for you through the blood and sacrifice of God who killed his son so that you might become his child. I hope you see this message and I hope you respond by saying, I need this God. I need this Jesus. Repent and believe today and become a child of God who is welcome at his table. Let us do this this morning. Let us stand, stand all over the room. In just a minute, we're going to have a time of response. And I, I encourage you to respond privately. If there are some sins that need confession, if there's rights that need to come together, if there's a, even relationships, commit to bringing those relationships together that you pray and ask God to help heal those relationships. If, if you can't get to that person now, do business with God. But as we sing, maybe you need to come forward and say, Pastor, I want to join this church. Or maybe I need to take that next step and in baptism. I'm going to be standing up front here as you spend time proclaiming and singing this message together that we act on this message together. So if you need to respond publicly, we call you to do that today. And before I pray, let us say this part of our church covenant together. <clears throat> we will work together. You can say this with me. We will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its viability through worship, ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism, discipline, and doctrines. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you have called us to display this gospel together. We're thankful for what it means to us personally, but what it proclaims through us together. So, Lord, together we come to you, knowing your word is true, that, Lord, as we gather at this table, that we look at our hearts, see what we need to confess, convict our hearts before we come and proclaim Christ's lordship, salvation, and truth in our lives. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. Mm -hmm.